Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from the book of Esther the imperative importance of the Jewish people needing to read that second decree that God wrote to them, just as it's important for us to read the King's second decree to us in the New Testament. Now, you can download this message for free at friendshipwithgod.org or on iTunes. Now, we are a listener-supported program here on the Friendship with God radio program. We want to encourage you to make a donation towards supporting this Bible-teaching radio program on this station in your city. So with every donation, let's say you donate $100, you get a matching $100 donation from Israel Restoration Ministries and Jewish Evangelism Outreach. So with your donation to keep this radio program on the air, you also get a matching donation that will help the gospel to go out to the Jewish people. I'd like to read to our listeners today one of our testimonies from our Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries. They went door to door, and here's a recent testimony of how they went to a Jewish home and didn't find the Jewish mezuzah outside the home, but they knocked and found a Jewish woman named Susan that was there. Now, they gave her an, a packet of, of materials, that ha, Jewish gospel materials, from Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries. And our missionary ladies that were working with this particular woman named Susan had no idea that God was already working on her heart. And as they went over the gospel, Susan appeared to be broken over her sins. And she was very open and had a contrite heart. But she explained to the missionaries that she thought that she had a relationship with God because of how she was keeping the law. She shared some stories from her past of how she was 18 years old and would sit down every day and confess her sins in prayer, but didn't know who God was. And it was heartbreaking for the missionaries to hear this, but they continued to show her from the scriptures the Lord Jesus Christ and how Leviticus 17.11 says that a blood sacrifice, an atonement, was needed for her sins and how Christ was the only blood that was sinless, perfect, and acceptable for her sacrifice that would pay for her sins. And She spoke up about how she could be restored, and they continued to go over the gospel to her. And She always thought that Jesus was just a good man, just a prophet. But they spoke from the scriptures about how Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. Now, she wasn't ready to receive Christ as her Savior, but she was very, very broken. The missionaries were about to leave, but they said, you know what, let us pray for you before we leave. Now, as they closed in prayer, they gave the gospel through their prayer and reiterated some of the scriptures and thanked the Lord for what he had done for them. Now they finished praying and they saw Susan weeping. So they tearfully asked her one last time, do you you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Messiah and Savior? But of course she, wiping the tears from her eyes, just said, I just did receive Jesus Christ in prayer. And they were in shock. They couldn't believe it, but she had prayed her own prayer from her heart after hearing their prayer. And they rejoiced together. She confessed Christ as her Savior there. Now, that's what Israel Restoration Ministries does. We focus on reaching lost Jewish people right where they're at, beginning their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, discipling them, and helping them to have friendship with God. If you'd like to support a ministry like that that's reaching the lost Jewish people, millions and millions of lost Jewish people every year, call us today at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Again, you'll support the radio teaching program here at Friendship with God, but also get a matching donation for Jewish evangelism outreach through Israel Restoration Ministries. 1-800-247-3051. You can call us now or after the program. 1-800-247-3051. Or go online to friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us how Esther saved the Jewish people by taking out the king's decree so that they might be saved. You know, on Friday, I was speaking to my Iranian doctor. I have a lot of doctors now. (laughs) 
And anyways, one of them is Iranian. And when I told him of the importance of making heaven our home before I die, he laughed. He laughed. And he said, after we die, it doesn't matter. He said, it stunned me. You know, he's Iranian, Persian. And so I told him, I said, you know, of all people, of all people, you as a Persian should respect that when God says there is a hell or a death to be avoided, a hell as an eternal death to be avoided, you, of all people, should believe that. He said, why? I said, because of the book of Esther. It took place in your country. I said, it happened in Persia, where there was a first commandment from the king that called for the Jews to be destroyed. And only if the king's first commandment was taken seriously could the Jews then be saved. And to take advantage, they can only then could they take advantage of the king's second commandment that made it possible for them to be delivered. But if a person didn't take seriously the first commandment, calling for the destruction of the Jewish people, then he wouldn't take advantage of the king's second commandment to be saved, which, by the way, came before the first commandment. Well, that's a good thing it did. Anyway, and in the same way today, if any person, Jew or Gentile, does not respect that there's a first commandment from God today, which says, Ezekiel 18.20, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That's the first commandment of God. And King Solomon said, we're all in that boat of having sin. He said in Ecclesiastes 7.20, there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. That's Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Or as King Solomon put it, there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. So therefore... The first commandment from God is, the soul that sinneth it shall die. The wages of sin is death. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke 13, 3, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. And he said in Matthew 10, 29, 10, 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who's that? God. That's the first commandment of God. It is God who destroys both the soul and the body in hell. And since we've all sinned, God's first commandment is a big problem for us, just like the king Ahasuerus' first commandment was a big problem for the Jewish people. Because Revelation 20.15 says, Whosoever was not found, written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. So to not read and to not take seriously God's first commandment of eternity in hell for all who have sinned is a sure ticket to be cast into the lake of fire. To not take seriously God's first commandment of Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sinneth that shall die, is a sure ticket to be cast into the lake of fire. That's why it was important for the Jewish people to read and to understand King Ahasuerus' first commandment. Now, the king was sorry for his irreversible commandment, but it was an irreversible commandment. And you remember what we just read, how we saw that Esther, in Esther chapter 8, that when Esther went to beg for the life of her people, that the king, and she said, reverse it, king, reverse it. And the king said, it cannot be reversed. It can't be. But this good king, he indicated to Esther and Mordecai how to overcome. The king had a plan how to overcome his own commandment that called for the destruction of the Jewish people. The king felt very badly about the first commandment, but 
It was a commandment of destruction, and he sorely wanted a second commandment of deliverance. God is holy, and the wages of sin and death, and the soul that sinned shall die, and God feels bad about that. He feels bad that everybody has sinned, and they're on their way to hell. But like a king of Hashuerus, like a king Hashuerus, God came up with a second commandment, a second law. And that's when he indicated that there could be a second commandment from him that could save the Jewish people from his first commandment, the call for their destruction. And it was clear from the text of Esther 8 that this second commandment was really what the king wanted to see. The king did not want to see the destruction of the Jewish people. The king wanted to see the salvation, the deliverance of the Jewish people, as indicated when Esther said to him in Esther 8, 6, she said, how can I endure to see the evils come on people? How can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? Then the king of Ashwara said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jew, behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, him they've hanged upon a tree on the gallows, because he laid his hand upon the Jews. Write ye also for the Jews. He wanted that. Write ye also for the Jews, as it liketh you in the king's name, and seal it with the king's ring. For the writing which is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's ring may no man reverse. So at that time, the king was in essence guiding Esther and guiding Mordecai to write a new commandment in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring that was like the first commandment in all of its authority, but it would be a way of escape, it would be a way of deliverance of salvation. So Mordecai wrote it, and he wrote the decree, which was go into effect one day before the destruction, the day before the first commandment was going into effect. And this one called for the Jewish people to destroy all of their enemies and to be saved so that they couldn't carry out the first commandment to destroy them. So Mordecai, he writes the second commandment in the name of the king, seals it with the king's ring. And this was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful plan of deliverance. It was set in place for the Jewish people. And the postmen were sent out with copies of the second decree like they were the first one, which is the plan of deliverance through all the vast domain with great news. And we saw that in Esther 8. It says it went out, copy, commandment given in every province published unto all people. The Jews should be ready. The Jews should be ready against that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. And it says, when the posts rode upon mules and camels went out, being hastened, pressed on by the king's commandment. So the postmen carried these copies of the king's second commandment. You can imagine how the Jewish people felt. They couldn't believe it. As they hear there, they, they couldn't believe their eyes as they read this second commandment, which called for the possibility of them to be saved and be delivered. But the new commandment had no benefit to the Jewish people if they didn't both read it understand it, both the first and the second commandment, and act on it. Take it seriously. Again, if the Jewish people did not take the second commandment seriously for their deliverance, they'd be destroyed. They had to read it. They had to take it seriously. In the same way they had to read the first commandment, they had to read the second commandment of salvation. That's the way it is today. Unless a person reads God's second commandment, of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible and takes it seriously, he can't be saved. Because it says in Acts 17, 32, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. And others said, we'll hear it again in this matter. In Acts 13, 46, speaking of the reaction of the Jewish people to the gospel, some of the Jewish people, it says, seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy or not a candidate of everlasting life. God's second commandment to be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ will have no benefit unless a person brings it close to them, unless a person takes it seriously, unless a person says, count me in. 
Just as King Ahasuerus did issue that second commandment of salvation for the Jewish people, God has passed a second commandment for everyone to be saved from his first commandment of death for the sinner because God's second commandment is, that's what John 3.16 is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that's the commandment, second commandment, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes were healed. Isaiah 53, 6, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 53, 8, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. 53, 12, he bare the sin of many. God's two commandments are found in one verse. In Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That's like a King Ahasuerus' first commandment. That's God's first commandment, which calls for the destruction of the sinner. But, the verse goes on, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's like King Ahasuerus' second commandment. That's God's second commandment, which calls for salvation. So just as King Ahasuerus did not want the Jews to die under his first commandment. He wanted them all to be saved by his second commandment. So God, in 2 Peter 3, 9, says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And 1 Timothy 2, 4, it says that God will have all men to be saved. God commands men to be saved. As he said in Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. Life, second commandment. Death, first commandment. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. God says, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. So just as the second commandment, just as the second commandment of King Ahasuerus was good news. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. So God's second commandment of eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ is the good news. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And just as the king's second commandment was raced out from Ethiopia to India, and it's in, I love the list, there's horses, horseback, there's horses, there's mules, there's camels, there's young dromedaries. That's what's spoken of in Esther 8.10. It says that he wrote, it says that sent the letters by post on horseback and riders on mules, camels, young dromedaries. That's a great list there. Horses, mules, camels, young dromedaries. And they were all out there to spread the good news of the second commandment. And seeing those messengers, you can just see them. You see them on their horses and their mules and their camels and the young dromedaries, and they're all starting out. What a scene that was, right? What a scene of variety. You know, some went faster than others, you know. But they all have the same goal. They all have the same goal. God has ordered us to spread his second commandment, his gospel, to the end of the earth by whatever means is possible. That's what he meant when he said in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And God says, get the gospel out. Get it out by horses. Get it out by mules. Get it out by camels. Get it out by young dromedaries. And horses and mules and camels, the young dromedaries, they're not all the same. But God loves variety. See, it's quite a scene, you know, in there. They weren't all on horses. And so if a messenger on a horse passed by a messenger on a mule, he didn't say, why aren't you on a horse like me? You're just on a mule, you know? And that would anger the king. The king would say, they're both carrying my message. And so we would look at somebody and we'd say, why aren't you using the right translation for your Bible like me? And that angers the king. Can you get the message out? Why don't you wear a tie <laughs> like I do <laughs> on Sunday? And that angers the king, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
And uh, that angers the king because one is just as important. Why don't you have the right kind of music? <laughs> that angers the king because one is just as important as the other because they're carrying the king's message. And one messenger should not criticize another messenger. And some preachers of the gospel are eloquent and swift. They're on horseback, see? And some preachers of the gospel have all the energy of youth. Not a lot of knowledge, but they've got a lot of energy. They're the, on the young dromedary, see? And some preachers of the gospel, they're a little old and slow. They keep on moving, but they're on camels, see? And some preachers of the gospel have some strange, stubborn <laughs> beliefs. <laughs> World's going to end on this day. Anyway, <laughs> And you're not going to change them, let me tell you. You're not going to set the record straight. They're on mules. Right? <laughs> well, just as King Ahasuerus said, so God says, this message is the second commandment. It's so important. I don't care if you're on a horse, if you're on a mule, if you're on a camel, or if you're on a young dromedary. The king is saying, go, go, go. Carry the message of the gospel in your own way, far and near. And you who are on a horseback, don't you attack that stubborn person on his mule because you're both carrying God's message, God's gospel. And you're all, you who are on a young dromedary and so energetic, don't you get so frustrated with old grandpa on his rocking chair. Don't attack that person on the slow camel. You're both carrying God's message, his gospel. And you're on the mules with your stubborn wrong beliefs. Don't you attack that young person without a lot of knowledge on the young dramaturgs. You're both carrying God's second commandment, his gospel. Because God says, whether you're on a strong horse, or whether you're on a stubborn mule, or a slow camel, or an energetic young dromedary, carry my gospel in your own way to the end of the world. And we can imagine how the Jewish people felt as they read the new commandment. It was all news to them. And when they saw the new commandment was written in the name of the king and sealed the king's ring, what impressed the people, the Jewish people, was that this was a plan that was for them. This was a plan that was for their deliverance. It didn't come from them. It came from the king. And we can imagine the surprise of the Jewish people when they read the second commandment, which started off with the words of, in the name of King Ahasuerus. And they saw and fixed their sight on that seal of the king's ring that came right off the hand of the king. And just as they were impressed with the fact that the second commandment was not fabricated by them, but came from the king, so we are impressed with God's gospel, the second commandment to save man through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was not invented by man, but it came directly from God, directly from God to all people. As it says in Romans 5.8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isaiah 53.10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And we can imagine the Jewish people read the second commandment and they sat down and they thought, this commandment is in essence, which is in the name of the king, and I've never met the king. He's so far away. I never saw him. He has a heart of love for me. He actually cares about me. The king is for me. He's not against me. And we read today, what we read today, the most important thing we read in the gospel is that God is for us. God loves us. And that's what he told the Jewish people in Ezekiel 36, 9, when he said, behold, I am for you. We often, people sometimes think, you know, God just want to drop bricks from heaven on heads. No, that's not God. He said, behold, I am for you, Ezekiel 36, 9. 1 John 4, 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. 
And of course, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he came up with this second plan that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the Jewish people had to follow the plan from the king for their deliverance. There was a specific date. It was the 13th of Adar. The Jewish people had to respect the date and destroy their enemies on that date. Not before. It was a specific plan for them to follow. It was critical for the Jewish people to respect and follow the king's decree for their deliverance to the T with no modification. And so today, if a person is going to be saved from his sin, he must respect and follow God's plan exactly as it states in John 14, 6, when he said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, given among men whereby we must be saved. But the second decree did not mean that the Jewish people would be saved automatically. It did not mean that the Jewish people could just sit back and be delivered. This second decree very much involved the Jewish people, as the Jewish people had to identify who they were that hated them, and then the Jewish people had to destroy those that hated them. Action was critical on the part of the Jewish people. They had to kill their enemies if they would be destroyed. And the involvement of the Jewish people was critical for them to be delivered. And the Jewish person who didn't rise up and kill their enemies at the right time, the 13th of Adar, the day before the 14th of Adar, when they would be destroyed. So timing was very important for the Jewish people. It was critical. That's why in this chapter, so much is being made over the date. It's repeated. The 14th of Adar, the 13th of Adar. They had a critical, the Jewish people had a critical window of opportunity in which they could rise up if they're going to be saved. And they could not procrastinate. They literally couldn't wait one day too late. (laughs) That would be destroyed. And just as the Jewish people would not be automatically saved, and because they had to act to be saved, no one is automatically saved. Each person has to do what it says in John 1.12, as many as received him, received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. In Romans 10.9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the Lord said in Matthew 10.32-33, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. So there was a specific date. A specific date. The timing was critical for the Jews to be saved. It was the 13th of Adar. And if the Jews delayed, as we said, just one day, they'd be destroyed. If they didn't act on the date prescribed, the 13th of Adar, they would be destroyed. There was an appointed time. And just as there was an appointed time for the Jews to be saved, there's an appointed time for everyone to be saved. And that time is given to us in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, where it says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God's accepted time to be saved is now. And if you, if anyone's in this room, and maybe you come to church, and we don't know, but God knows, if you have not taken God up on his offer of now, then now is the time. 
to call on the name of the Lord, take advantage of the second commandment so that you won't be destroyed by the first. Let's pray. Father, we pray today for anyone who's in this room, Lord, who has not taken you seriously and acted on your way of salvation. We pray, Lord, that now and today would be the date and the date when they turned to you and took advantage that Christ died for their sins. And if I'm speaking to a heart this morning who has not done this, pray with me this prayer. Lord, I take advantage of your way of salvation, and I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for my sins. And I receive him as my Savior, and I'm willing to tell others that I received him, and I will confess him as Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Our resource for this month is from Tom Cantor. It's called How Would You Learn the Meaning of Isaiah 53, which is a uniquely written presentation of the gospel. Now, we'll also include Tom Cantor's personal testimony, How Would You Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll receive both of these resources this month for a $10 or more donation to the Friendship with God radio program. And you'll also receive a matching donation from Israel Restoration Ministries towards Jewish Evangelism Outreach. For the past three years, we've reached over 5 million lost Jewish people with the gospel all over the world, from Israel to Canada to the United States to South America, reaching them with the gospel. Get these two resources right now and get a matching donation towards Jewish Evangelism. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051. Again, just a $10 or more donation that will help the gospel go out to the Jew first. 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org. 1-800-247-3051. Join us again next week.